Gross. I know, it's creepy, it's dude. It's awesome, dude. It's so creepy. You gotta cut something when I'm talking where it slowly zooms in on him. I'm ready? I'm ready. What? You're supposed to count down. Oh, it's been a while. The first time you're out right. here and you don't count All down. Right. <clears throat> and we're live in five, five four, three. three. Welcome to the Bing Film Podcast. Oh I'm my just God. kidding. I'm kidding. Welcome to the Bink Film Podcast. We got some Grand Theft Auto news today, and I'm here with my brother and director, Michael Darwinberg. We're going to be talking film. We're going to be talking video games. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Well, why haven't you been on here yet? I've been on a couple times. I sit off to the side. That doesn't count. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's been busy. There's a lot of work on the backside. So all the things that we talk about today, I won't be able to sit down and track them and time them out. So editing's going to oh, take a lot longer. So don't talk about... God. I'll be right back. I got to grab my laptop. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure many people are aware Grand Theft Auto dropped their first trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. For release of 2032. Yes. 100 and... What was it? 38 million views in five days. That's pretty nuts. Is it safe to say this is like the game of our lives? Probably. Uh, we thought Grand Theft Auto V was. That did really well. Still does really well, but yeah. I think the original Grand Theft Auto V trailer, in 12, 13 years it's been up, it has like 90 million really? views. And this is already, it's going to double that. I don't know if I ever saw, I don't know if I remember seeing Grand Theft Auto V trailer. I think you would have. So that, were were maybe. you living in L.A. around then? 2010 to 2013. Yeah, it came out in 14, I think. So it was right after I got back. Yeah, I remember when the uh, you saw like the pier and everything. I remember you commenting on yeah. that. Yeah, it was really cool. I remember when Grand Theft Auto V first came out, first thing we <clears> did was went for airplanes to try to fly over L.A. and see how similar it was to the real L.A. What do you think it would take for them to make... A Midwest Grand Theft Auto. I don't think they ever would. Like a Chicago? Maybe Chicago. Uh, that would be, I think, the only city in the Midwest that they would consider. But I think it a big selling point for Grand Theft Auto is the fact that so many people recognize these things. Like the Santa Monica Pier. It's yeah. so iconic. Everybody in the country has seen that in either in a movie. The or, Hollywood sign. Yeah, the Hollywood sign. sign. Yeah. Um, New York as well. Cities like that, I think, do really well. Smaller, I mean, not that Chicago's a small city, but not everybody has been to Chicago. Not everybody recognizes, well, maybe the, the was Sears Tower. That'd probably be it. Maybe the pier, but yeah, I don't think it would do as well. Well, I mean, a game that's based on crime, Minneapolis might be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Post-2020... The first Minneapolis. first Grand Theft Auto with full-scale riots. Yeah. That, that, I mean, protests. Protests, yes. So this is probably the most hyped game of all time ever. Yeah, I would say so. Do you think it'll meet expectations? <laughs> In today's world of gaming, I, I'd like to think so for how long they've been working on it. I don't. I don't trust any game made by anybody ever anymore because... Every game is either pay to win or it's paywalled in some sort of way. And everybody puts out games unfinished. I just, I, I don't know. It's Rockstar. I would hope so. Red Dead's great. Grand Theft Auto V was great with the exception of the entire online platform with 
hackers. But I don't know, as a gamer, I, there's hackers in every game we play. So it's like, unless you're playing World of Warcraft, you you see hackers everywhere. My fear, I have a big fear for Grand Theft Auto 6. And to be clear, I'm not hating on it. Grand Theft Auto was and is one of my favorite franchise, franchises of games ever. I played them growing up. I remember when we went to get our first Grand Theft Auto game. Do you remember that? Was it Vice City? Yeah, we went to Walmart with, with our dad. and the, I don't remember the actual story. Yeah, so we go to Walmart, and the guy's standing there, and dad walks up to the case, and we were trying to decide between Grand Theft Auto 3 or Vice City. I don't know why, because Vice yeah. City was newer, but that's what we were thinking at the time. And the guy comes up to us, and he was, like, trying to tell our dad that, like, you know what this game is, right? Because yeah. we were so young. And being how dad was and is, he was just like, just give me the game. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm buying the game. Give me the game so yeah. I can leave. He doesn't want somebody to tell him yeah. what he can and can't do. Yep. So he <laughs> bought us Vice City. And God, when did that come out? Uh, that had to have been early 2000s, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I was probably like 10 or 11 years old playing that. Which yeah, is it was crazy so much fun, about. though. God, that, that game, I think that game sticks with me more than Grand Theft Auto V did. San Andreas did for me. San Andreas was good, too. Rolling around in the countryside with your country music radio on and like a Jeep or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. There's so many songs I hear today that were in one of the Grand Theft Brings Auto you right back. games. Yeah, and as soon as you hear that, you go right back to it. But yep. with Grand Theft Auto VI, I'm scared because. There's been a trend with Rockstar on their last couple games. So many people might not know this. Grand Theft Auto V had planned single-player DLC, allegedly. They were going to do expansions for the single-player campaign. There was rumors that one of them was like zombies. Kind of like Undead Nightmare for Red Dead because it was so popular. Well, then online came out and shark cards. Yep. Pay to win. So they, they've made billions of dollars off of it. They canceled the DLC they had planned. And then you have Red Dead Redemption 2 come out, which I think many people would agree and argue that it's probably maybe the greatest game of all time, just all around, from detail to story to just all of it. I think it's, I think it's hard to compete with that on every other level with how much time and money that goes in behind rockstar i think yeah the, there's no other game out there that even comes close no and the fact that they didn't make a single dlc expansion for single player is a crime against humanity is the online existent it's dead that's what i thought it's, they gave up on it yeah i remember so they, yeah they started it and then it didn't really it was eh and then they're like, we'll just go back to Grand Theft Auto. And then they added, like, laser weapons and yeah. jetpacks and stuff. In Red stuff. Dead? No, in Grand oh, Theft Auto. I was going to say, yeah. The, yeah, no. That's what ruined that's Grand Theft Auto five for me. Yeah, that's what would have happened yeah. with Red Dead. But... I remember one of our buddies in our gaming group came on, and we all have our cars and stuff that we spent hundreds of hours getting all this. And... There's a guy in our group who logs in who doesn't even play the game, but happened to get in a hacker lobby one day where they were just spewing money out for people. Yep. People got tens of millions of dollars in this game. And he bought this, like, glider jet thing that it just hovers and shoots lasers and stuff. And it's like, cool. So all the hard work I did, building this car, armoring it up, and, like, 
every th- all the time I put into it, and this dude thinks he's funny. He's in our group, and he just like flies up, hovers, looks down at us, and then blows all our cars up. I'm like, cool, thanks, dude. Now we get to go drive across town and pick yep. him up. It's, it's oh, that game pissed me off. Yeah. So my fear is with the current trend that Rockstar's doing with their last few games. Based on the last two games, we should have no reason to doubt that the campaign for Grand Theft Auto 6 will be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But with the trend or the direction they've been moving in and the direction that the entire gaming industry has been moving in, I am so scared that the entirety of Grand Theft Auto 6 is built for their online service. I could see that. Like, I could see them completely skimping out on the campaign just to get you to play online, get you to pay. I guarantee it'll be a 15 bucks a month or something Yeah. to play online. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I don't think they'll skimp out on their single player because their single player is so big and has been. And with how long this has been waiting, they can't afford for it to flop because like, this is their legacy. Grand Theft Auto five was their legacy. It Grand should Theft be. Grand Theft Auto five is non-existent now it because be. of six. I think that with how much money, has, regardless of what they made, with how much money has gone into it and their reputation of making these insane games, I think that multiplayer is going to be more present than we want it to be. But I still think the single player is going to be awesome. I hope so. I do too. Obviously, who knows? Every, in today's world, everything's money and power and having a subscription service for a video game plus pay to win. Like, there might not be any good single player involved. Well, let's uh, transition over to film now. So, we are currently working on a new film. Yes, we are. Would you like to describe that? The 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 plot, or yeah. So the the newest film. I don't know if we officially named it right now. Temporary finger trap is about a guy who shows up at a house to do some house sitting. And he's on the phone with his significant other, and she's clearly upset that he is not with her at that time. Uh, Keatsy's meowing. Is that the cat? Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a beep. So the he's in this house. He's never been here before. He knows the people, but doesn't really know the people. And it's a short film, so I, don't, I could spoil it in 10 seconds. I don't want to. So to cut it short... He finds a doll, and this doll is not a normal doll. And I know saying that out loud now makes it sound like just another boring, stupid horror movie about dolls. I mean, it kind <laughs> of is. But it's different. It's it's different. I think it is. I've never seen this done with it before. Yeah. And the idea was to just kind of... Every, every film we've worked on, we've focused on one thing improving one thing each time yep. and on getting, this... all, getting all the content <laughs> on, on this next film we're working on we wanted to improve in every area possible so the script is a little simpler it's a little bit a little more basic compared to some of the things that we've done but we just want to uh what's the word i'm looking for I think we wanted to create a script that was... So, uh, to kind of play on that, every film we've done up to this point was new to us. We started with a film out in the woods. Had never filmed in the woods. 
let's see how it works and see what goes wrong and then learn from it. And then we kept moving through this process. The next one was half improv because of scheduling issues. And it ended up working out really well, but we weren't. We learned a lot. And then we go into The Farm, which was our first night film, and we were... And we were, long film. Yeah, it was 30, 35 minutes. Um, I blame Troy for that, because that was a 20-page 20, 20 script that should not have been a 35-minute film. He was following my direction. <laughs> yeah. It was too long. It, I, it was good. I enjoyed it. But there was so much wrong with that film. That it, every time I go back and see any part of it, I'm like, oh, I wish I could go redo all that. But the problem with going and redoing that is you're not going forward. You're just redoing what you did wrong. Right. You just need to understand what you did wrong, learn from that, and apply it to your next one. So we we went into that with the longest film we've ever done, the darkest film we've ever done. We were hindered by the equipment that we had at that time, so we couldn't really shoot in low light. We didn't have the lighting capability to do what we needed to do. We had... People walking around with battery-powered GVM lights holding them up as we're, like, walking through these trails. It worked out, but it just didn't look very good because we had an $800 camera. And But we learned all these things from each one, and that, one, that, movie, that film was a disaster on all fronts um, between the lack of equipment, the lack of preparation, the lack of really knowing what we were going to do, experience. There was an implosion in the crew. Like, everything just fell apart for that. But I think that was the the turning point in our careers is that when we got done with that and got to that point where we were like, I don't know if I want to do this ever again because it was just that destroying to your soul. You get past that and you're like, let's do it better. And then you go into the next one. We went into, what, Little Pictures was next? And we spent more time on pre-production. We knew pretty much exactly how everything was going to happen. The only downside is we did not know what the apartment was going to look like. And we had some questions about what the church, how the church was going to work out. Because we knew what it looked like, but we didn't know what it was going to look like by setting up, you know, 100 chairs in a lobby. So then we still had new stuff on little pictures that we learned and improved from. And then we... I mean, that pretty much brings us to where Charlotte was, where we, Bink, invested in all this equipment. We got, obviously, nice new cameras. You can see us. We're clear. And we spent so much more time. And I spend an unbelievable amount of hours a day, every day of the week, outside of my day job, just learning new things and trying to get better at all of this. And even with the podcast and social media and all that. But there's so much that we learn every time, and we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And now it brings us to this film. I feel like when you're working on a, an indie film and it doesn't go well and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, there's really two directions you can go. You can either let it sour and kill your motivation or you learn from it and move on. And I'll never forget the difference in the feeling of that first movie where everything went wrong Versus the one after that. And in that first movie, there were times where I was having a blast. But in the movie following that, it was so dull, but in a good way. Like, that's how it should be. I should show up, get my equipment, set it up. Everyone's doing their own thing. We're getting ready and we're, everything's going. Everything's moving. There's no downtime. And it felt like I was working a day job. Yeah. And that I, was the first time I ever felt that working on indie films. 
I think I, I agree with everything you say. I think that you saying it felt like you were working a day job kind of is what I don't like about that. When things are so perfect and they just flow and you get everything done, I crave the chaos for it. I mean, like, definitely. My creativity spikes when my brain is under fire and like I have to build this thing in my head and make the decision right now and like see it in the future. And obviously the pre-production process of filmmaking is probably the most important because if you get on set and you have a big set, you can't have chaos. It just doesn't work. And we experienced that with the farm. We had 22 people there and it was chaos and we missed shots. There were probably a hundred shots we could have used for that movie and we didn't have them. So it was a lot longer shots, but I think that it's the smarter and more efficient way to create a film. I think it's the less exciting way. I agree. I think it comes down to the kind of film it is too. Yeah. Like that little pictures, not, this isn't a rip on Troy or anything, but it's like, it's a very straightforward film. These are the lines. This is what's happening. That's it. Yep. Maybe if you can cry, cry. If you can, you look sad. Like that's kind of the extent of it. You know, there's in that kind of a film, there's not a lot of room for improvising and excitement and things like that. So what yeah, you're describing, sure. I felt that a lot more on Charlotte. Yeah. And that, which is funny too, because I, I feel like you and I are so opposites that make a pretty good balance for what we're doing because with Charlotte, I didn't like the chaos at all. There was nothing about the chaos in Charlotte I liked. I do enjoy going to a new location and like just discovering new angles and like building out this composition in my head as we're there and I'm directing it. But I think Charlotte was so personal to me and to you because it was our dad. It was a, it was your story. Like there was so much that went into that, that just drained us emotionally. So when we got into a moment where I didn't know going into it, what we were going to do, like when we went to the, for the cliff scene and the final credit scene, the cliff didn't exist. There were trees that were growing over the last 20 years. Yeah, that years. was bad. <clears throat> I, 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 I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I overreact in that scenario, and my mind goes like, no, like I, we're done. It's over. No, I did the same thing. Yeah, I was like, all the work we put into this, all the preparation, all the equipment we've got, and the story, and all these people, I'm like, it's over. That shot, I dreamed about that shot in my head with the drone shot of him dropping to his knees and pouring out the ashes and the drone flying upward away from him and you just see like the wind catching i mean i probably would have never been able to get that shot with our equipment the way i wanted to get it but i wanted to try and when we had to change it because there was no cliff i was just i was devastated it was so hard to like get back into that and move forward but so i don't like that kind of chaos I liked the the worst movie ever made kind of chaos. That was a blast. Yeah. The farm had moments, but that was another one where there was so much work that had gone into it. There were people standing around waiting, and like people were cold. It was 28 degrees in Minnesota. There's just I didn't like that kind of chaos either. So what kind of chaos do you expect on this next film? I don't expect any. I think the chaos that we're going to expect is the fact that we have a very ambitious goal to blast our social medias and that is to create a five minute short film but also create the behind the scenes for this and how we do these certain things like we're chopping a dude's finger off how are we going to do that how do we make the silicone mold how do we 
execute it and make it look good on camera, make the blood spray into the window for the final shot. Like there's all these things I think that'll be chaotic. Um, but they're, I think we're doing our best job of planning it in that it won't be a bad chaos. I think that we we're planning to get a ton of shorts for our TikTok behind the scenes for our YouTube. Like we have all these different ideas. As long as we go into that and everybody on set knows exactly what their job is, I think time will be our chaos. Trying to get that ambitious goal of like 30 shorts out of a five minute film. A lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts. And if I guess one of the forms of chaos could be missing people. If people don't show up, because we're low budget or no more no budget filmmakers everybody involved in Bink film is a friend a family member or a friend of a friend or family member like everybody knows everybody the we don't hire anybody nobody gets paid we don't do anything but just make movies because we love making movies so i think that we run into that issue a lot where something in real life comes up and somebody that's maybe 40 percent all in on it gets a party invitation they're gone you know yeah because they know that after that day of filming and it's hard work, it's a long day and it's fun and we feed everybody and we have a blast, but they know after that day, it's just kind of like they're waiting for the next film. They're not, there's nothing for them to do in between. So it's hard to get the people that really want to be, I think Kong is our, our rock without Kong. We would fail. We can send that to Kong. Um, (laughs) I have one question for you before we do some trivia. All right. How do you think, what do you think is the best way to entice people to work on a short film when there's no budget? I think it depends on too many factors to give a real answer. I think that it depends on what area of filmmaking they're interested in, what level of experience they have, what what their end goal is. Like, there are people that, like, when I first went to film school back in 2010... I was like, I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be like Michael Bay and blow things up and get Will Smith in my movies. Like, it never happened. Probably never will. But you, there are people on a level where they have not made things and don't understand the complexity of it and how much actual work that goes into it behind the scenes and the, all, the, all the people that are involved, um, whether it's a three-person set or a 30-person set. They're very different things, but they all include so many aspects that people don't understand unless they experience it. So I think that has somebody... Are you looking for somebody looking for people or somebody that might be interested in it? And is trying Either. To give, yeah, I think that as a, an indie filmmaker, if you're looking for people, you need to you need to find the right people. I think that you can't be picky because you have no budget or a low budget. But if you plan to take it seriously and you want to do it professionally and you want to make something out of it, you need to hold on to your creative vision and you need to find people that will support that while compromising because you're asking people to come work for you for free. And some of those people might be brand new to it. They may have never done anything before and might have this vision of like what they're going to do. And um, I think the, the most important thing that people need to understand is like the hierarchy level within filmmaking. Uh, if you're coming onto somebody else's short film set and you bring in all these ideas, you're like, oh, we should do this, we should do this, and there's a, somebody with a director title standing there, it's fine to give this type of information, but not in the middle of set, not to somebody that has brought you into their set to help build their creative vision. Like, there's, 
there's there's just so many I don't, I'm going to trail on here for 20 minutes but there's there's so many different aspects of filmmaking that it's you could apply it to a big business structure and you have your managers and they go all the way down to the lowest of the lowest person like that's the same as a film set you it's almost your... it's almost like an assembly line yeah where everyone's working on a different part yep and you need everyone to do their part to get the finished product at yep. the end. And if somebody leaves their line to go to a different line, the whole thing can collapse. That's like, you got an assembly line of them making cars, let's say. Everybody's making a part of that car. And somebody walks away from one line and goes over there. Now you have this cool, really nice looking car until you turn around, it's missing a back left tire. And you're like, well, it's useless now. Same for filmmaking. If if you don't have all the pieces there, and we've learned that in every film we've made, because every single film we've made today has missing pieces. All right, we're going to move on to some trivia. <sighs> I don't like this. We're going to do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Dun, 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 dun. Do I actually get to be a millionaire after this? No. Oh. You get to be a broke indie filmmaker after this. So nothing changes? No. <laughs> um, hold on a second. Right. I, I got to remember my buttons here. Ooh, I like that. Oh! Ray. Okay. You just you remembered them all just like that? I just need to remember where the, I have them set in rows. Oh, okay. So. All right. All right, you ready? These I, are... I don't know. These are $100 questions. If you do... If you get them all right, I'm going to get some trickier ones. Okay. Because a lot of these are super easy. Yeah, I feel like I'd like to think that I'm a, an extremely intelligent person. Until it comes, to, <laughs> until it comes to something like 1998, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I feel like I'm gonna bomb this hard. Okay, here we go. Question number one. All right. In Disney's Cinderella. Oh, no. What did Cinderella leave behind while running from the ball? Her shoe. Was it a boot? A glass slipper? A ruby slipper? Oh, no. You can't sneaker. have multiple. It's glass. It's got to be glass. Final answer? Yes. Oops, wrong button. Oh, God. I was like, come on. It's got to be a glass slipper. As soon as you gave me two slippers, I, was, I wasn't sure. Question number two. This is really tricky. What holiday is celebrated on February 14th? Valentine's Day. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Let me just double check. <laughs> All right. Oh, good for Go to you. 200. Go to 200. Are you sure you don't want to answer how many months are there in a year? A dozen. A baker's dozen. How about that? Give me a fail. $200 question. Here right. we go. What name is given to the liquid inside of a coconut? Milk. Coconut cream, coconut beer, cocoa, or coconut milk? Coconut milk, final answer. These are really easy. Are these like are these the same ones they did on the show? Your cat's chewing on a cord. I don't know. Question number four. Which plant do you traditionally kiss under at Christmas? Mistletoe, final answer. All right, move up. Let's go harder. You sure? Yeah, come on. 
I mean, I'm I'm undefeated right now. These are too easy. Give me some tough ones. No wonder Josh got all these right. Yeah, those are all so easy. Next time Josh is on, you're giving him a thousand or plus. Like, there's no hundred dollar questions ever again. We should. What we should do from now on is just play the game each time and see and who can get the up. furthest. Yeah, we should. We'll do that next next week. In basketball, what is the name for the area outside the three point arc? Mm. Midtown, uptown, low town, downtown. I thought it was like mid court. Read them one more time. What is the name for the area outside the three point arc? Midtown, uptown, low town, downtown. From downtown. Is that it? Is that your final yeah. answer? Oh, is it? Oh my yeah. god! You know how I know that from the game. The what was it? Super Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> He's on fire. It, what is it? NBA Jam. Yeah, I think so. Oh my god! I, that's yeah. That's weird. Okay, that's five. In which year? This is for you. In which year were the Oscars first broadcast in color? Oh, 50s. 1929, 1945, 1958, 1966. It's gotta be 58. I think it's 66. I think it could be because. 66. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I knew it was around that time when the color TV came out, so it was probably later that the Oscars get aired on it. What was the name of the Pilgrim Fathers sailing ship? The Mayflower? The Golden Hind? Hind? It's not that, so... Santa Maria? Contiki. It is a Mayflower. That's six. You got five out of six so far. And the only one wrong is movie related. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, here we go. Uh oh. The answer is B on this one. Which of these is not Oh, it actually is B. Oops. I was gonna say, did you just give me the answer? You're gonna get the answer. I okay. didn't read it all the way. Which of these is not a province in Canada? Quebec, Minnesota, what? Manitoba, or Newfoundland? Nah, Minnesota, where we are right now. <laughs> We are not Canada. We're not in Canada, eh? Oh, no. We're going out in the boat, in the boat later, though. Oh, this is a $300 question. There was a couple mixed. Oh, okay. Did, were any of mine 1000 Two of them 10, were 500 All right. Hey. Stop it. He's ruining your ottoman right now. It's already ruined. Which is the second highest mountain on Earth? Second? K2, J3... M4 or P5? For some reason, I feel like K2 is the tallest. I'm going to guess K2, final answer. Oh, is it? good for you! That's the only one that sounds familiar to me. Yeah. But I don't recognize those names at all. I don't all. either. Wouldn't that be stupid if it's like 2 is 2, 3 is 3, 4 is 4? Like, that's just the numerical it order. It might be. Yeah, that would be stupid. All right, final question. Is that a tough one? Which hotel was a hit for Elvis Presley in 1956? 
Hotel California. No, Eagles. Ha- Heartbreak Hotel. Mm. Holiday Inn. Hotel Paradiso. B, final answer. I just, I don't picture um, Elvis singing the Holiday Inn song. <laughs> you got 9 out of 10. Nice. So, and how high did we go? 500? Yeah, you tied with Josh. Yeah, but he but was 100. But he did 100. Yeah, <laughs> and the one he got wrong, yeah, screw Josh. Uh, he sucked at it. We'll see how he does next week. He's not even going to watch this. So. Probably not. No, he will watch this. He'll watch no, every if episode he, of if he, Josh, if you were watching right now, I need you to send me a text message right now that acknowledges that you saw this. I bet he watches every one of these, but he's never watched any of our short films. Well, we know he hasn't watched any of our short films. We quizzed I know, him but a I'm month saying, ago. I'm saying, though, I bet he watches every podcast oh, episode. I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't think he watches any podcast either. No. No. No, he shows up, he talks, and then he forgets we exist. All right. Would you like to do the outro? The outro. Hmm. Thanks for watching the Bing Film Podcast. I am Michael Darwin Berg, and you can find me on all forms of social media. I am the guy who started Bing Film. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. And I am the one behind the scenes making all of these videos happen. Uh, Eric, across from me, Eric Gordon Berg is my brother, who is the audio, music, composing side of all of our filmmaking. As you can tell, he's got that gnarly soundboard. I don't think they can see it. Uh, Probably not. You can find him everywhere as well at Eric Gordon Berg. You can find our channels... Uh, I guess you'd be watching this right now if you're, well, maybe Spotify. We're on Spotify and YouTube for the Bing Film Podcast. We are on Instagram, but I don't post often. We are on TikTok. I post everything on TikTok that we post on YouTube. And then you can find Bing Film, our main channels, on YouTube and TikTok. We are banned on Instagram. You guys still haven't talked about why we're banned on Instagram. No, we're out of time, though. You guys need to do that. Yeah, we're way past. You guys need to... (laughs) You guys need to talk about that next time. Uh, but yeah, check out our short films. We have a new one coming up. We're filming here in a few weeks, and we're pretty excited for that. It is a horror film. I, If anybody knows me, do not like horror films. I think they're terrible. I think that they are jump scares, and I'm looking right at you, audio guy. This is going to be a thriller, not a horror. All right, I, I'm in for that. You know what? We're going we're gonna to coin a new phrase, yeah. a new genre. I mean, thriller already exists. No, no, no. You ready? Yeah. It's called a dark thriller. A thriller? A dark thriller. <laughs> thriller? I don't get it. Thriller and horror? No, not horror. Thriller O-R instead of E-R? It's like a dark comedy, but it's a dark okay. thriller. It's not horror. It's not a jump scare kind of thing. Okay. It's a thriller, but it's a very dark setting. Dark atmosphere, dark events. I wonder if that exists. I've never heard of that. It does now. All right. We're going to do that. So, yeah, we'll try not to make it a horror film. I think it's going to come across as one just because of the doll, the premise with the doll. I think it's it just fits in every horror movie that comes out, except those people get, you know, $30 million to make their movies. You mean $300 million? Whatever they get. I spend a couple grand every time we make a movie, and that's where we're at. So go subscribe to our channels. Um, you can donate and get in our films. You want to do that? You can donate on our link tree and show up in the producer credits. Fund our next film. 
help us keep our dreams alive working hard to get there uh, but yeah check out our other channels if you are watching this we changed from monday and thursday to mondays now we have with our films coming up we had to kind of scale back so it'll be every monday at 8 a.m unless unless i'm just busy then, then it won't be <laughs> so yeah thanks for watching cut <laughs>